WATD presents John Paul, the car doctor. All things automotive. Have questions? Call 781-837-4900. Now, here's John Paul, the car doctor. And good Sunday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor Program on 95.9 WATD. My name is John Paul, the host of the Car Doctor Program, and I uh, want to welcome to the, you to the program this morning. You know, when you think about, you know, cars, and it could be hot rods, it could be, you know, performance cars, it could be fun cars, whatever the case is, you can either buy them or build them. And you talk to people who, and there's people that buy them all completed all the time, and then there's people who build them, and there seems to be a awful lot of satisfaction in that and one of the most i think interesting build it yourself cars is um some kind of utility conversions i guess so you know i guess in australia you'd call it a ute but uh, around here um, you can go out and you can buy a kit and you can buy it from mark smith at smith um kit cars and uh, we have Mark on the phone with us, and I think he's calling from his boat out in Buzzards Bay. Mark, good morning. <laughs> it was going to be a Buzzards Bay day there, buddy, but uh, no, uh, like a true car guy, I had to pick something that led to something else, and uh, the boat's on the morning. <laughs> so, so, so this is, again, one of those cases of uh, one broken bolt turned a 15-minute job into three hours later? Yeah, yeah, if it was only three hours, I would have been lucky. No, it was a bolt on a heat exchanger. Yeah. It's oh, okay. A, it's a old, old, old boat, which means lots of time. But you know, that's why you do it, right? It's a lot of fun. Uh, fun. I guess that's one. That's one of the words that you know starts with an F that you could describe it with. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, and and uh, you know, it's all time and and time and rust and corrosion. Um, but your your company, I think, is really unique because you do. Some Something that I think um, really gives people. You look at you look at you know some of the cars. Let's just kind of start you know with what you started with, which which was I guess the Volkswagen Beetles and and maybe the Audis. And you took a car that the doors closed right, the climate control systems worked, and then you made them into something really unique by you know cutting them up and turning them into essentially little pickup trucks. Yeah, no, well, as as, uh, as you know, when I sold uh, Factory 5 to my brother Dave back in 2012, this was the next gig, you know, yep. and I was convinced that, you know, a uh, you know, full-on Cobra or a replica build is usually years and years, you know, to, to do, and it's very gratifying, uh, especially Cobras, you know, they're such, a, such an iconic, you know, car that people still today, uh, you know, it's one of the best-selling kit cars in the world, even now. And I was convinced that uh, there was something in between where you didn't have to change the engine transmission, you know. So we cut the roof. The first uh, one was a Jetta, and we cut the roof. You cut the quarter panels, but we kept the entire floor pan from the front all the way to the rear bumper, not just for safety reasons, but for ease of assembly, you know. So my customers, you know, and they run the gamut from, you know, somebody arguing with his wife for a new refrigerator, you know, in their budget, to these millionaire guys that still love to build things, you know. So it, it, it really it hit a nerve uh, because you start it, you finish it, you enjoy it, and more importantly, at the end of the day, since there's airbags, uh, there's a pickup bed, you can toss the keys to anybody in your family and let them be a car guy or gal, you know, for the day. And I think that was the magic of it early on that I didn't really consider. I was just doing it for fun, you know, after I sold Factory 5. 
And I think th- I think that's what really kind of makes it unique too. And you know, going back to like you said, you don't you you leave the engine, you leave the essentially the cab. You've made the vehicle as safe as it was when it was when it was new, but you also um, you know, you look at you look at some kit cars, and it doesn't matter who makes them. Um, you know, door sealing can sometimes be a problem. Climate control is usually non-existent, but you can have all this stuff in one of your cars and still have it. You know, if you park one of your Volkswagen Beetles next to a Ferrari, your your Beetle you probably gets as many many pictures taken of it as the Ferrari does. You know, uh, it, it's like you were at the show, John. Uh, I was at a at a cars and coffee show, and you know, back you know my line, uh, you know, to everybody because they come to the factory, and it's a little, you know, it's a, it's a little different than my huge factory five days, right? It's a pretty small little outfit. We're having fun, and I was at a show in a Beetle truck, you know, in, in the Smith, uh, you know, the Smith U. Yeah. And the guy next to me was in a five ninety nine Ferrari, and you know, back in the. Uh, Back in the days where that may have been an option at one point in my life, it's no longer anymore with five kids in college, right? But back in the day, uh, he asked me questions for the next hour and a half. I never got to get a word in edgewise about his Ferrari. He just wanted to know about the Ute. And you know, that, that's what it comes down to. It's just fun. And he's the one, by the way, that gave me the line that says I can toss the keys to anybody in my family and they can enjoy it. Whereas I don't toss the keys to my 599 Ferrari to anybody, right? To, you know, yeah. I can't do that. And so that was, you know, that was the reminder that this is all about fun and being unique. You know, that's the whole game. And you know, you start you started off like you said with the with the Audi and, and the Volkswagen, but you have you have quite the uh, you have quite the variety of kits available to people now, right? Yeah, no, the whole roadkill thing with Freiburger, and uh, if you if you're into that group of, of people, Aaron and Emily Reeves, all uh, you know, God. Instagram influencers and yep. things like that. When Roadkill Nights came along, and uh, Jared Pink, another influencer, when he ran with Freddie, who is known as Tavarish on on uh, Instagram, when they ran the cop car uh, El Camino, they called it the El Camino. It was my kit with a Dodge Charger, and then Dodge gave us a full Demon Red Eye, you know, Hellcat Hellcat yep. Demon Red Eye vibe train. And Jared put that drivetrain in, the, in that car for, you know, the ultimate Hell Camino with 800-some horsepower, right? And then they went to Roadkill Nights in Detroit in, on Woodward Avenue, and they were part of that six-celebrity, you know, race last year, right about this time of year. And the Charger, the Hemi Charger version of our car, you know, that, uh, that's become the Beetle and the Charger are the number one and two sellers by far. Those two seem to make an, a connection with people. Uh, obviously very different audiences, you know, the Hemi V8 crowd, you know, with the Charger. And the Beetle is just all all the guys over 60 that remember air-cooled Beetles. They see the truck, and it takes a car that, you know, I have to say it because it was called that, but it was more of a secretary's car when it came out, you know, the, the regular Beetle. And it turned it into something with a truck bed that makes it just, just popular with every demographic. I mean, they, they just love it as a truck. And uh, it, it, it just worked. But those two, Charger and the Beetle, those are the ones. And the Charger gives you, uh, there's there's a lot of donor car charges around, former police cars, all kinds of stuff. Um, and you can and you, you might be able to find a former police car that hasn't been beat up too badly. You can buy those, even, even in today's crazy used car market, you can buy those pretty reasonably, right? Oh, yeah. No, they, uh, you know, the upside to the police cars is, you know, 99% of them, 
that you can tell if something's been trashed, by the way. You know, the, the yeah. tell, you know, real heavy-duty cars have been used, you can tell right away. But the benefit is they were fleet-maintained, uh, so you know the maintenance was done. And these big V8s that are in these chargers, they are, uh, you know, I was late to the modern Hemi uh, party. You know, I was, I'm an old Hemi guy. I had a 68, you know, Hemi charger, four-speed, you know, that from the old days, right? These new cars, five, six years ago when I got into the newer ones, um, I was amazed. They, they, they're, they're fleet police cars for a reason. They last and last. I have two of them that have over two hundred fifty thousand miles on. Them. You know, and these were and these were police cars to begin with. Yeah, so you know they had them. They were used. So they're they're, they're great cars. They really are. They, you know, they have their little idiosyncrasies like all you know Mopar products have these days. But overall, little stuff compared to this indestructible, you know, drivetrain. And I think one of the ones, and you, you didn't mention it, but one of the ones that you can you can end up with a truly a, a performance car is the Impreza. You you can get that in, you you know, if you can find a you can find a hot Impreza somewhere. All of a sudden now you have you have a real performance car in a real unique package. No, that the, the Subi crowd is, uh, you know, they're they're a force. You know, when that car came out, you know, early two thousands or so, when the WRX came out, that was a. Yeah, it, it's a little, I'm 61 years old, so it was a little before my time. My engineers at Factory 5, who were 30 at the time, they jumped in both feet. They loved the performance of that WRX early on. It was kind of, you know, it replaced the Mustang 5.0 as the car, if you will, during mm. 2000. And, uh, yeah, that kid, you know, it's, it's crazy. I'll put a picture of a Subaru Ute on Instagram, and they go viral. Like, the, the, it's such a rabid community you know, of, of uh, enthusiasts. Um, it isn't the biggest seller, uh, which is a surprise, right? The car that's almost the most popular on Instagram. Uh, uh, people really like to keep their Subarus the way they are. And mm. the guys that cut them, the guys and gals, I, I, I women customers also, and the people that cut these cars, uh, the Subies especially, are kind of a very unique group within the Subie community. You know, because that, that's a, it, it's a great group. Really great group, which is the key, by the way, to the entire product line. You have to find these subsets of car enthusiasts that love a certain model or brand. They tend to be the ones that pull out a saw and cut it for fun. Well, I guess it would be no different than, you know, somebody that, you know, found a good 62 Corvette and decided to do a resto mod. And, you know, part of the Corvette community would be, how could you possibly do that? And the other part of the Corvette community goes, what a great idea. Put modern drivetrain in a car that, you know, was, you know, uh, you know, maybe a 325 horsepower car all day long. And all of a sudden now you turn it into 600 horsepower. And now it even handles better than it did, you know, 50 years ago. So I guess it's sort of the same idea. Yeah, no, you're spot on. Yeah, and and yeah. I have seen, and you've probably seen this too, John, uh, the transition from these 60s and, and you know, any, any kind of cool car, uh, has they've transitioned into kind of the artwork mode rather than the transportation mode. And so I think even people that are diehard restoration, you know, uh, the, the people that really love fixing things originally as it originally was out of factory, right, even that crowd has a lot of respect for these $100,000 resto mods that are high-tech wonders. I mean, they might look like a 62 Vet or, a, or a Impala, right? But underneath, you know, they've got brand-new LS, you know, 454 engines, you know, from a modern, you know, GM catalog. They've got a Coyote Ford, you know, in a yep. it's an old Mustang. And, you know, Roadster Shop, I'll give them a plug just because I love those guys. I mean, they, 
you know, uh, they do such a good job on those $25,000 chassis. I mean, Twenty-five grand for a chassis under a car, you're going to get some real high-tech stuff going on. And when those cars go together, they're, they're just works of art. They really are. They left the being a regular car, you know, uh, uh, garage a long time ago, right? They're just spectacular. You you mentioned you know the people that buy your car, your kits. Are they are they sold? Do you sell them all over the world? Yeah, it, it, a lot of countries. You know, like I've got one Audi in Germany, which is spectacular because Germany has such difficult, uh, you know, hurdles in the way of registering custom cars. Even changing the original wheels on a car in Germany takes a it takes a government act. You know, wow. Um, but the UK, I. I'll tell you, the U.K. and Europe is kind of, so the cars go to the U.K. I sell a lot of Beatles and VWs to the U.K. And they are, if you imagine the car culture in the United States in the 50s and 60s, right, a lot of the home-built, you know, uh, just mm-hmm. the way of living, you know, California, if you will. The U.K. is still a very cottage-driven country. You know, the cottage industry uh, is, is alive and well especially when it comes to component cars and customs and things like that. So, you know, whereas the U.S. is kind of, you know, I'm not in a super growing market right now. The baby boomers are getting older. There's still a billion of them, you know, so I've got plenty of people to sell cars to. But if you look demographically as what's happening in the United States, though there are pockets of younger, you know, hardcore car guys and gals, it is a lot smaller than it used to be, you know, when we were kids. And that's just, the, you know, they have other things to do. I can't say they're wrong. Uh, you know, mm. <laughs> they have a yeah. lot of cool stuff to do kids, right? But you'll find that in the U.K. and some of the other countries, um, that car culture is just on fire. Uh, Indonesia uh, is, is brand- I mean, they love funky cars over there. Uh, the yeah. funkier, the best, right? And so, yeah, but in general, only the countries that allow custom cars on the road, like the U.K. and Ireland, you know, Ireland, Scotland, you know, England. Um, then they register them in England. They get them certified and everything in the U.K. where it's a little easier, and then they can export them to the rest of the, of the EU. Ah, well. And so that seems to be the path for, you know, custom car people in Europe. Yeah, and and I think you're right. I mean, I was talking to a, a guy the the other day, and he was he was in a uh, something called an Opala, and it's sort of an Opal Chevy thing that was made in Brazil, and it looks like sort of two thirds of a station wagon. And I was looking at it, and there was there was actually two of them there, and both of the guys were from Brazil. And I said, you know, is this the hot car in Brazil? And he said, yeah, it kind of is. He said, but in Brazil, we're lucky if we get a two fifty straight six Chevy engine and we and we he said there's a lot of room to hot rod that car up but he said on the other hand we brought this we brought this one to the United States and put an LT1 in it which fit under the hood and made it pretty unique and you know I looked at that and I was I was thinking you know there's there's something that would kind of fit in that category of it's different and it stands out like your cars do the same way how long does it take the average kind of mid-level DIYer to, you know, say say we're going to do a, a, a traditional new Beetle kit. So we're going to try to turn a new Beetle into a Ute. How long would it take somebody with a reasonable amount of skill, you know, whether it's mechanical skill or, you know, you know a couple that replaces windows in their house over the weekend or something like that? How long does it take to kind of take the take the car apart and put it back together again? The Beetle is a phenomenon for a reason, as far as a truck, because for whatever reason, you know, the Beetle was designed as a convertible, and so it's already kind of braced and ready for some kind of conversion, right? Because the base mm-hmm. car did both. 
Um, and so the Beatles are a good choice. It's our easiest one to build, but it's weird stuff that makes it uh, easy to build. You know, the fenders on the Beetle are all plastic and, and they unbolt. Mm-hmm. Whereas normally you're cutting and, you know, the cutting on a Beetle is about half what it is on the regular cars because of all these bolt-on pieces, right? And so the disassembly and the cutting is done in a morning, you know, where the other cars might take you the whole day or day and a half, right? Mm-hmm. And so it comes down to your skills. I always laugh. The rookies that have never done this before, they'll follow the assembly videos and they'll do it just the way they're said, you know, to do. And they end up doing a great job because they just did it the way they should. Right? Mm-hmm. It's the guys like me that think they know what they're doing, and you dive in. You've been doing cars your whole life, right? Those are the guys that end up messing things up. <laughs> we know what we're doing. And so for a rookie, if you figured a real pro in a body shop who knows cars probably spends 40 or 50 hours total doing it. Now they're fast. Yeah. They're, they're pros. The do-it-yourself guys, I can't say eight. It's got to be 100 and change because you take a lot of time thinking about it. Right. But the actual hands-on work is pretty straightforward and it's probably, you know, 60 or 70 hours. You know, same amount of work. You just take your time when you're not sure. You know, it's kind of funny. You know, you're cutting a car in half. Yeah. That first cut, you, know, you just became a car guy when that sawzall hits a roof. <laughs> Whether you like yeah. it or not, you are. Yeah. You're committed. Yeah. You know, there's, yeah. there's little commitments and there's big commitments. You're committed. You know, the roof's off. You know, so yeah. it's, uh, it, it's just a lot of fun. But, yeah, you'd be 100 hours on, I think you'd be spot yeah. on for a rookie. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember the first time I cut a hole in a roof to put a sunroof in, you know, 40 years ago, and I'm like, ooh, you know, it seemed, and and the good thing was if I screwed it up, I could always put a bigger sunroof in, you know, so it was, but oh, you but the, but you're right, the first time you took a Sawzalt or something, and you're like, ooh, this this makes me nervous, but yeah, um, the, um, you know, over the past year or two, you actually did some shop build cars where people could buy them, right? Yeah, actually, uh COVID was weird, uh, as you, everybody knows, you know, I, you know, I don't even like talking about COVID anymore, right? And it's kind of, we just shy away from it. That was a strange time. And so as all operations, we went through cycles, you know, the boom and bust. When everybody was trapped at home, our sales quadrupled. You know, we couldn't even get them out the door because everybody was trapped at home for six months, right? And then uh, there was another cycle where everything disappeared. Like for some reason, in the middle of COVID, sales just stopped, you know, for a few months. And so hmm. we learned that to offset those spikes, you know, and those, you know, droughts, you know, in the sales area. We learned that every time I said I was going to do a car, a lot of our customers were older, especially. And even though they're talented car guys, they didn't have the energy. You know, a lot of these guys are 85, 90 years old that are building mm. these cars. I, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. I, the, the, the generation that built things, these older guys, they're amazing. They're just incredible. And they're teaching the younger generation, almost every one of them, takes it as their personal, you know, mission to share their car knowledge. And so the Smith Ute became something that they loved to do, but a lot of them just couldn't do it anymore because they were too old. They're still car guys, right? And so when I would, and I used it to offset the slow time. So we would have a right. slow few months. I always had three or four cars here that I could finish. You know, they sell for 20 grand or so. They're expensive, but not horribly so. And it worked out really well because I, I told everybody, if they have me do a turnkey, you just have to be patient because it's my second thing I'm doing. Right? Yeah. The guys are they're doing kits all day, not, not turnkeys. But then when it was a little slow, we had stuff to work on. So it, it started as just a kind of a crutch you know, during COVID. And I do one or two of them a year, mostly friends and family and stuff like that. Yeah. But I try to not, you know, uh, it's very disruptive to the shop to have a Bondo flying all over the place and stuff like that. So, it's a, you know, 
you just want to you want to limit that unless you choose to do that as a business, which a lot of my you know customers do. They'll do four or five cars a year to put their kid to college or whatever. Stuff like that. But uh, in general, I try to limit it uh, inside. Right now, we have a bunch of them, but that's pretty rare. And you 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 know we we'll go back to the original chassis. What's nice about this in in Massachusetts where. You used to be, and where I live now, registering a kit car is a real pain in the butt. Uh, registering a car that is a Volkswagen that happens to have a major body change isn't really considered a kit car, is it? No. Uh, there's, I, I think, especially with the Beetle, because it stays a two-door. You, know, yeah. it's not, you don't even change the title. Sometimes you'll get... Uh, you know, the, the folks that use a salvage car, they have it a little harder because right. the person who inspects it up in Bridgewater or whatever, um, they can... Now, at this point, they've all seen my Factory 5 cars. You know, we've done yeah. 12, 15,000 Cobras. You know, they've seen Cobras. They know Smith Performance now as a company, you know, so they've seen them. But there's a little... You know, technically, the title on a Jetta, for instance, or a Charger says four-door. And so Massachusetts doesn't care. They just register the cars. They just say yeah. inspections are same. You know, no, no difference, right? All the airbags are still there. So they, you know, they're pretty cool. They really are. It's just regular yeah. registration. In Pennsylvania, for instance, they changed the title to a two-door, and they call it a truck. And like everything else in the world, trucks in Pennsylvania have a $100 per year fee, hmm. a tax. And so that's all they want is the tax. It's not that they don't want the car as a truck. Yeah. They just want that tax income. So, you know, each state has slightly different rules but overall since you keep the entire car stem to stern you know and all the safety features and all the things that make it a jetta are still there and from the front it still looks like a jetta you know uh since you keep so very much of the car they consider it you know a cosmetic uh change even though there's a lot to do you know to make one it still is 90 percent functionally a jetta or a charger a beetle whatever yeah, it really is. And uh, if people want more information, you can, and you're actually running a little bit of a sale right now, 500 bucks off, right? Your kids? Yeah, we, uh, you know, everybody knows with inflation last year, it went ballistic. Aluminum literally more than doubled uh, the yeah. sheet aluminum that we use. And we, we use a lot of aluminum. I'm not a big fan on home-built cars that have all these steel pieces that rust. That people might coat it wrong or too lightly, and then their car rusts. And then that affects the vision, you know, the, the visibility of the brand. You know, mm. you, you so aluminum for me was more of a, you know, I know every one of them is going to have this base level of cool, you know, with the aluminum bed. Yep. Right? Um, but at the end of the day, uh, yeah, uh, if they go to Smith Kit Cars, they're going to see a sale that isn't really a sale. I'm just passing on aluminum came down. Long mm. long winded answer. Aluminum prices came down unexpectedly this last fall. And uh, I'm just sharing, you know, when, when something like that, you know, unlike gasoline companies that take three months to reflect the lower price of oil, right? Uh, I try to uh, not be a hypocrite. So when I see, oil, you know, when aluminum comes down 200 bucks a car, I'll take 200 bucks off a car, you know, just to share the joy, if you will. And it helps sales. Those sales are always, you know, not everybody's a millionaire, you know, uh, 3,500 bucks is a lot of money. Uh, even yeah. if it's a heck of a value, uh, it's a lot of stuff for $3,500, you know, but uh yeah, no, it's a nice, it's a nice little sale, and uh, you know, it gets, it keeps the volumes high all the way to fall, which is the big build season for us. And if people, if people want to find out more information about the cars that you have built and for sale, are they on the website too, or, or give your, give your company a call to find out about those? Uh, yeah, if they're most of these in-house cars are already purchased by someone, okay. you know, that, that 
on me to build them. But if I do have them, they'll be on the Smith Kit Cars website, S-M-Y-T-H, kitcars.com. And remember, since we're the only manufacturer of these car-to-truck kits in the world, all you have to do is type in S-M-Y-T-H, you know, truck, and we're a RAF, you know, on Google. There, the pictures are everywhere. So you can't, can't miss us. The benefit of being alone in a category, right, is uh, that they can find you really and and what's sort of interesting on your website is your phone number, and it's actually your phone number. It's not. It's, <laughs> I think, yeah. John, I think we talked about this a year ago, though, right? When we were, yeah. the last time we talked, I was really nervous. Yeah, I had my cell phone is on my website, right? Yeah. And I've got one hundred and thirty thousand Facebook fans. I've got twenty five thousand Instagram people, you know, following, and various you know articles and stuff written about the company. I think. And early on, I said, "Well, well, worst case, I lose my cell phone number, right? Big deal." Yeah. But the the ability, we're still small. You know, even if you do a couple hundred cars a year, you're such a, such a little speck in the car business. You know, mm-hmm. we're just a lifestyle. I have my son Cooper does a ton of work with me. My son Timmy used to work for me. My son Brendan used to work for me. You know, we were, it's kind of a farm. You know, that's how we made it through yeah. COVID, by the way. Yeah. Was, uh, you know, we have, I know my kids working for me. That's how we, you know, that's how we did it. Nobody else would come to work, you know? So uh, it was a very strange time. But at the end of the day, that is, that's what makes it work, you know, is, uh, is being small. And the cell phone allows people to call, and they're blown away when I answer. Mm. Because I want to talk. Nobody uses the phone anymore, John. Right. They text, they email. But even older folks like us, we, nobody wants to pick up the phone. The real older guys have it right. They call. Uh, who would yeah. want to call me to go over the project, right? I'm blown away. I, I get maybe two or three bad, crappy phone calls a week from spammers and stuff, you know. And that's fewer than I would get if I had just my personal phone walking around. You know? yeah. So people are so incredibly respectful of my time. I, you know, it gives you, people slam humanity and they're just wrong. People are full of respect and just, uh, I, I just find the general car enthusiast to be a heck of a guy or a gal. They, I, I love this crowd. They're, they're just a, a great you know, part of this country. Yeah, and, 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 and like you pointed out, you know, it, it is, you know, it's it may be older, but I had the opportunity of a month or so ago, I talked to a, a 17-year-old girl, or her name is Riley, and she rebuilds Endelbrock carburetors in her father's garage. <laughs> and, she, and she's like, she's like, I do 12 or 15 carburetors. I, she said, I had a, I hired three other high school girls to do it with me. And she goes, you know, my other option was working in a local, local supermarket making eight bucks an hour. She said, I do this. And she said, and now all of a sudden I'm getting called from TV shows and radio stations. And, and uh, you know, oh, a, 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 a local guy local guy who sells hot rods has me come over and tune his cars for him. And she's like, I'm a 17-year-old, 18-year-old kid that's going to college next year. And But the idea that she's doing that just kind of gives you a little bit of faith in, you know, where, where maybe the the uh the the automotive community's going i think so no you're spot on and yeah. by the way you know, as an aside if you work with your hands these days male or female if you dive into cars the every local mechanic is a millionaire right now nobody is going into the field and the people that are left in this business and it goes across all demographics all regions of massachusetts i mean i still live in south dartmouth it is it, i mean, I, I can only say it to, to kids so much. You know, go ahead, go to college, go. Yeah. You know, yeah. get your MBA. You know, I'm a car guy. I went to get my MBA at Bentley. You know, I, back yeah. in the day, I had a company pay for it. You know, but at the end of the day, what a blessing to have gone into something where I can use the, the my hands to make something in an environment and a culture where nobody's doing it. 
And so yeah. the world is your oyster if you work with your hands. It's a strange, turns the world upside down. You couldn't have said that 20 years ago. Everybody was, was dissing trade schools 20 years ago, you oh. know. Now the kids, now these kids are running the world, you know. It's, it's really, yeah. it's an amazing change in our society. It really is. Well, well, speaking of working with your hands, I'll let you go back to trying to fix your broken boat. <laughs> and I want to thank you for taking a little time. And it's uh, it's uh, Smith Kit Cars to find the website. It's S-M-Y-T-H, kitcars.com, to find out more information. And also, if you if you buy something now, you can save 500 bucks. So why not? <laughs> thank you, John. Pleasure to All right. You. All right. Take care, Mark. Bye-bye. We need to take a break, pay some bills. My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. If you would like to join us, our phone number is 781-837-4900. When we come back, we'll talk about the Hyundai Santa Fe Hybrid. My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. We'll be right back. AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-hour, 7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com join. It's a grill and chill summer here at WATD. Listen for the sound of the sizzle. When you hear the sizzle, be the correct caller and win prizes from places like Brevity's Marketplace, Mamma Mia's, and Showcase Cinemas Deluxe in Hanover. We then turn up the heat. As each prize winner is qualified to win a Weber Genesis Grill from Hingham Lumber. Keep listening through the grand prize drawing during the South Shore's morning news on August 18th. It's a grill and chill summer. Brought to you by Hingham Lumber on your station with the sizzle. 95.9 WATD. Hey guys, it's Lexi James. And we're Cryer Creek. Twilight Showcase Radio, hosted by Sandy Stride and Keith James. Tune into Twilight Showcase Radio Sundays on 959WATD and 959WATD.com. Search for Twilight Showcase on Facebook. And visit TwilightShowcase.org. Twilight Showcase, tomorrow night from 7 to 9 on 959WATD. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the car doctor. And welcome back to the car doctor program on 95.9 WATD. Uh, Just to give you a little lineup of what's coming up uh, in the next couple weeks. Next week, we will be talking to someone from a company called Juice World. I mean, you can't help but talk about electric vehicles these days. I mean, they're all over the place. But I had, um, I think I think I may have mentioned it in the review, I was driving a Kia EV6, great car, uh, but I had no place to charge it up. And I found this uh, charging cable kit from Juice World, and uh, we have uh, somebody from Juice World that's going to be joining us. And then uh, August 6th, we're going to be talking to um, somebody from a company called Green Wave. And Green Wave, uh, they're actually up in New Hampshire. It's called Green Wave Electric Vehicles. And we're going to be talking to them about, they're an electric used car, electric vehicle dealership. All they sell is electric vehicles. So I thought that was sort of interesting. They actually reached out to me on 
social media and and asked you know what what the program does and whether I keep up with the electric vehicle market. So um, I try to because uh, whether you believe it's really all going to happen by 2035 or whatever you know year that someone picks that says all new vehicles will be electric, well, well, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see about that. But one vehicle that's sort of electric, I guess, is the Hyundai Santa Fe Hybrid. The Hyundai Santa Fe falls into sort of a tweener category between a compact SUV and a smaller than sort of midsize. So, you know, is it is it a midsize like a Honda Pilot? Is it smaller like a Honda CRV? It's sort of in between a little bit. And I drive a Santa Fe Sport, which was a smaller version of the Santa Fe up until 2018. Um, so similar size, I guess. Santa Fe comes in several trim le- levels and engine choices. The Santa Fe is uh, standard with uh, front-wheel drive and all-wheel drives offered on all models. Uh, there are several powertrain choices. The standard engine is 191 horsepower, 2.5-liter four-cylinder that pairs with an eight-speed automatic transmission. The 281 horsepower turbocharged um, four-cylinder is teamed with an eight-speed dual-clutch automatic, and there's a hybrid and a plug-in hybrid are also offered. Ours was in the conventional, I guess, these days, hybrid version of the Santa Fe. So not a plug-in, but a hybrid version. So what's a hybrid? Just to remind everyone, a hybrid is a car that has a gasoline engine and an electric motor and some form of battery, but it's not designed to run fully on electric for any period of time. It may run for 15 or 20 seconds or 30 seconds or maybe out on the highway when you're sort of coasting along, the electric motor is going to kick in, but it's not designed to run a pure electric like a plug-in hybrid would that has a bigger battery. Uh, compared to my 2018 Santa Fe, uh, this model's a bit sleeker, certainly a little bit more stylish. One of the standout features uh, of the Santa Fe, of course, is its hybrid drivetrain. It's powered by a 1.6-liter turbocharged four-cylinder engine that's paired with an electric motor and a lithium-ion battery pack. In the hybrid trim, this combination produces a combined horsepower of um, 226, so not as much as the kind of hot rod 281 horsepower turbocharged version, but pretty good, and 195 foot-pounds of torque, which is more than enough power for to provide smooth and responsive driving experience. Um, call me old-fashioned, but I like a transmission with gears. So, you know, a lot of transmissions today are CVT, continually variable transmissions. So if you've ever, if you're a tinkerer and you've ever taken a snowmobile apart, that's a CVT transmission. It's basically two cones with a belt that runs back and forth, sort of like that with the with some of these transmissions, if you can envision, envision that. So kind of uh, unlimited amount of gears when there's no real gears. But I like a transmission with gears. So several reasons to buy the Santa Fe, uh, style, warranty, price. But uh, fuel economy with the hybrid, you know, the EPA rates the Santa Fe at 33 miles per gallon, 32 um, on the highway, and uh, a combine of about 30 miles per gallon overall, which is pretty impressive. Um, Compared to my lower horsepower 2018, a couple miles per gallon more. Now, on my trip from Florida, trying to stay at the posted speed limit within five miles an hour or so, I could just about do 30 miles per gallon. This seems to do it pretty easily. Um, it does pretty well. Um, 
I put four adults in this. Everybody was pretty comfortable. Um, you know, it does it does run on the hybrid mode more than you know some of the old hybrids. If you were in a um, you know old Prius once, and you know it would start up in battery mode, and then it would quickly kick over and you know come and go a little bit this stays a little bit longer because it has a pretty good sized battery pack um it's not quite like a plug-in hybrid but at lower speeds the gasoline engine stays pretty silent and like a lot of hybrids and battery vehicles there is a there is a noise that happens to alert people with low visibility that there's a v, there's something coming so it's like what's wrong with your car it makes a it makes a buzzing noise well it's it has to make a buzzing noise that's part of the rules um and the other thing, the other thing I don't like about a lot of new cars is the auto stop feature, which in theory saves gas. I'm not sure how much it really does, but in theory saves gas. And sometimes it's pretty clunky when you go to start off because it shuts off the engine. The starter might have to restart it. Maybe the um, gasoline engine might actually fire a, fire a spark plug to get it going uh, because the hybrid powertrain the electric motor actually gets it going so first under power and then the engine seamlessly starts so it, it makes it nice and smooth um inside the cabin uh pretty comfortable space pretty spacious for the size car it is plenty of room um cargo capacity is pretty good 36 cubic feet with all the seats up 72 cubic feet with uh, the rear seats folded uh like most suvs you'll find plenty of cup holders and storage um Vehicle comes with a host of standard safety features. Everything does these days. It's almost hard not to find a variety of things like, you know, blind spot monitoring, lane keeping assistance, smart cruise control with GPS and a host of other features, Apple CarPlay, Android Auto. Really wish my old car had Apple CarPlay, but we'll have to work on that. Um, one of the things that I think is a bit of a novelty is the smart park system, which you push a button, remotely start the car, push another button, and it backs up or goes forward in and out of a parking space. It's kind of, I don't, I don't know when you would really use that, but it is kind of fun to use it and watch people go, wait, there's nobody in that car. Eh, it's kind of a weird novelty, I guess. Overall, the 2023 Hyundai Santa Fe Sports, an excellent choice. Anyone looking for a stylish, capable crossover that offers good performance and efficiency with the hybrid electric powertrain, spacious interior, and advanced features uh, might not be quite as impressive as maybe a plug-in hybrid, uh, but you get the low emissions, you get a good gas mileage. Uh, it's a good choice. So, And you can get this vehicle in Somebody said to me they were looking for a $42,000 car. They hadn't bought a car since 2008. And they're looking for a $42,000 car, and they, were, they want luxury features, good performance, uh, and good quality. And, you know, they listed off, you know, I'm looking at Audi, I'm looking at Lexus, and I don't think you could find an Audi or a Lexus in that price range because you're basically, although the models may start, you know, even like an Acura RDX, um, the prices may start at 40000 but you're essentially buying a base model luxury car, if that makes a lot of sense. Um, where it, with the Santa Fe, you could buy a Santa Fe in what's called the Calligraphy Edition, and which has this um, really fancy interior, this sort of... Uh, uh, quilted looking interior every option that you can possibly think of uh, including something that you don't see in in some luxury cars is the passenger seat is also uh, a power seat 
uh, where a lot of times you will get a passenger seat that is not a power seat. So it has a lot of it has a lot of features you you might not see in uh, some luxury vehicles, and it's you could do it for probably close to the $42,000 that you're thinking about buying. But the average transaction price today is up around $48,000. Now, that combines uh, premium cars and kind of economy cars, but $48,000 is the average transaction price. And I remember when $38,000 would trigger the luxury tax on vehicles. So the idea that uh, the average transaction price is that high today. And also even... Um, if you just looked at uh, things like hybrids, like Priuses and things like that, the average transaction price on those cars is in the low 30s now. So cars have just gotten expensive. So if you haven't been car shopping in quite a while, you may be faced with a little bit of sticker shock when you go out and, and start shopping for cars. I got a very nice letter from somebody uh, this week who said they read my column in the Quincy Sun. Thank you, for Bob Bosworth, for keeping my column in the Quincy Sun. And... Um, they said they uh, followed my direction on the Works uh, portable air pump. So it's a little portable air pump with a 20-volt uh, power share battery. And um, it's it's actually a nice little pump. I used it a lot in Florida. Not so much on my own cars, but during the recovery from Hurricane Ian, uh, there was a lot of flat tires. People got lots of flat tires from all the debris that was in the roads. And... Uh, you know, I must have on various neighbors' cars that had low tires or flat tires. I would go over with my little works pump, so it's all self-contained. You don't plug it into anything. Uh, you set the pressure. You know, you want to put 35 pounds in the tire. You set the pressure at 35 pounds. Hit the on button. It just pumps up the tire. It works really well. And the other thing that they said they followed my lead on was the NOCO um, jump start uh, little jump start box. And I've been reading some reviews about the NOCO. Uh, lately, and I don't know, they haven't been as good as they used to be, but I have one in, I have one in my car, there's one in my wife's car, and there's actually one in my boat, in the little boat I have, because it only has one battery, and everybody says I should have two in case of emergencies, but it, uh, so I have the little jump start thing in there, so, um, so I've had pretty good luck, and I've used them not so much for me, but I've used them for other people. But their question was, um, I mentioned in my sort of emergency kit in my car um, that I keep a plug kit, a tire plug kit. Now, um, you know, our friends at Sullivan Tire or Jake Kondrick from uh, Boston Mobile Tire Service will tell you you should never, ever, ever plug a tire. And they're absolutely right. You should never, ever, ever plug a tire. Unless you're out in the middle of nowhere, you have no cell service and there's zombies coming to get you then you should plug a tire. So um, there are going to be times where maybe it makes sense to put a plug in. The right way to fix a tire is to plug the hole and patch the inside. So you're patching the inside and you're filling the hole with something. I remember way back 40 years ago, um, maybe even more, uh, somebody came out with like this almost like epoxy kit and a big needle and you would inject it into the hole in the tire and it would and it would make a, a um, you know fill in fill in the hole and squirt around inside of it and uh, then you would patch the inside of the tire then they come up with these patch uh, plug patch combinations which did a lot better you you would just um, 
force the force the plug through, the patch would glue on the inside, and you'd have a good quality repair. But in case of emergencies, providing you didn't drive on the tire, if you got a nail in the tire, you came out, you know, somewhere, and you weren't able, maybe you didn't have a, your spare wasn't readily accessible, uh, whatever the case is, having a, the ability to pull out a nail or a screw or whatever's stuck in the tire, um, clean up the hole a little with a rasp, stick a plug in there, cut the plug off, air up the tire with your little portable works air compressor or any compressor, um, and get back on the road. And then with the idea, don't forget about it, go get it fixed the right way afterwards with a patch on the inside. But as a temporary repair, makes perfect sense, providing you haven't driven on the car. So uh, the person said to me, what do you use? Um, anything that has a self-vulcanizing rubber plug. So um, the last kit I bought was from a company called Slime, which makes all kinds of liquid tire sealers. Uh, but that was the last kit I bought. It just happened to be, I think I was at a hardware store and I bought it. Um, just to give you an idea what kind of volume of flat tires there was while I was in Florida, I talked to the the guy delivering the mail, and I said to him, uh, you got many flat tires with the you know all the junk in the road because I was happened to be airing up a tire for somebody. And he said to me, uh, yeah, uh, three. I said, three? He said, yeah, three on each tire. So I said, you've gotten 12 flat tires? And this was probably only a couple weeks after COVID, I mean, after uh, Hurricane Ian. So uh, lots of lots of flat tires. So, uh, so you know, we were, you know, we were plugging some tires because the other thing is all the tire stores were closed because they were, the roofs were damaged. So, uh, so having a, your own plug kit kind of makes sense. Um, like I said, I think the last one was slime. I think the one I bought before then was in a Walmart. And as far as air compressors, yeah, I have the works air compressor. But I also have just, uh, I think I have two different 12-volt air compressors that you plug into, um, like the, your cigarette lighter plug or hook up to your battery in your car. Um, I have I, I have one each of those in uh, both cars, again, in case of emergency. Uh you know, maybe you did decide to get your spare tire out and find out it's flat because you haven't checked it in a while. So, um, just one of those things. Our phone number is 781-837-4900, 781-837-4900. If you would like to join us, why don't we take another quick break, and when we come back, maybe we'll be talking to you about your car problems. Hopefully you don't have any, but if you do, maybe we can help you with them. Our phone number is 781-837-4900. We'll be right back. AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-hour 7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com join. On Saturday, July 29th, Daniel Webster Masonic Lodge in Marshfield will be holding an open house and cookout for parents and their sons to come by and learn about DMLA International. We're located at 420 Furnace Street in Marshfield and will be there from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. For over 100 years, DMLA has been the premier organization based on timeless principles, committed to developing and inspiring leadership, team building, and networking for young men ages 12 to 21. Don't miss this event to find out how joining DMLA can give your son an advantage and set them on their path to a bright future. The road begins here. 
Talk radio with a South Shore point of view. Hi, I'm Kevin Chachi. Join me tomorrow for Monday Night Talk, where the South Shore comes to talk. Tomorrow night, after the 6 o'clock news, here on 95.9 WAPD. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the car doctor. And welcome back to the car doctor program on 95.9 WATD. I was looking at um, some past messages. And last week, Marge from Quincy called, and she had a problem with um, rodents that ate her wiring harness on her car, and she mentioned... Uh, that she thought it had something to do with the soy wiring in her car. And I thought the same thing for quite a while. I thought that, um, you know, it used to be that the insulation material on wiring would uh, would be made out of a, a vinyl, and that, and that vinyl or rubber was a petroleum-based product. So, you know, whatever they make stuff out of, you know, they used oil to do it. Well, to be more environmentally friendly... Um, manufacturers went to soy-based materials, so like soybeans and soy oil and things like that. And the thought was that rodents liked the taste of soy. Well, come to find out that isn't true. And I thought it was true. I was absolutely convinced it was true uh, because it just makes sense. Okay, you make something out of food and rats and mice are going to eat it. Well, no, they don't. They actually, apparently, rats chew things to keep their teeth sharp. Uh, But it isn't because of the soy. In fact, the soy material that foam is made out of and wiring harness are made out of is a a non-food-grade product. So it it has no food benefit, I guess, or, and there's a, fancier word for that that I can't think of but there's but it doesn't have any food grade products in it so it shouldn't attract mice and rats any more than any other wire covering can uh probably more of the issue and I've checked with engineers at Ford and Honda and other companies and said you know is there anything to this and I've checked with some other folks not related and they said no it probably has more to do with building and construction and you know there's always going to be a certain mouse and rat population and when you squeeze them out of their natural habitat they're going to be looking for other places to go which is which is which could be in your car and again unlike maybe squirrels and chipmunks and this year we seem to have a, a surplus of chipmunks around my house um they don't tend to just chew on things to chew on it where rats tend to chew on things just to chew on it so uh soy-based products cause wiring harnesses to get eaten nah not really um but that being said uh i think honda and acura both recommended to their dealership folks that if they do have a problem and the consumer wants to try to remedy it uh they they actually have a a metal uh wire tape that you wrap around you know some wiring harnesses and you can only do so many i mean there's a there's a a a million feet of wire inside a car but you can wrap it around some of the wiring harnesses and it actually is encapsulated with um 
almost like uh, red pepper flakes. So it may, you know, if they bite into it, they won't like the taste of it, and they may head in the other direction. So that may help. But, again, part of the issue is, and we had an exterminator on the program years ago. And, uh, uh, you know, as as we were looking at that, we kind of said, um, you know, is is there is there uh, anything to this? And he said, no. Nah. And um, I think Marge is back. Marge from Quincy is back. Marge, good morning. Good morning. How are you, John? Good. How are you? Thank you. So I'm wondering what the what the I I'm listening to what you're saying. So what there's some wire tape or something I can you wrap can, around the new harness. <laughs> you can, you can, you can you can there's it's a uh, you can talk to your repair shop and they can get this. Um, uh, uh, stuff that's like in tear gas, I think it's called capsian. Jesse, is that right? Is that the stuff in tear gas? You know this stuff. I don't know that one. Well, I'm so, you know so disappointed. But yeah, it's basically it's it's basically the stuff that's in red pepper and like pepper flakes okay. and stuff like that. Oh, and what capsation. it is? Yeah, yeah, that's the word. That's the word. Yeah, capsation. And uh, it's impregnated into this tape, and the idea is you wrap your wiring harness with this tape, and you can you can buy it on Amazon and stuff, and uh, and it and it, it says I think it's labeled, you know, it has a it has it's has the word rats with a round circle with a line through it, and it's supposed to keep the rodents away. Whether it really does or not, I'm not sure. I guess it sounds like it makes sense, but um, mm-hmm. other other people sometimes will put. You can go to the hardware store and get these um, little. Um, they kind of look like tea bags that have uh, uh, oil of spearmint in them, and supposedly rats and mice don't like the smell of spearmint. So you can put oh. those. You can tuck those up like under the hood of the car somewhere, and you know don't don't use mothballs because although it may keep stuff away it smells horrible and you don't want to deal with that so oh, uh so right. but try but go go to go to like uh, richmond hardware or something and go and uh and and go and get uh this oil of spearmint stuff and they it comes in a little cardboard box they look like basically they look like kind of tea bags and you just oh. you just you just sort of scatter them around under the hood and maybe they'll keep the rodents away well that sounds like a plan okay all right. Well, thank you very, uh, very much for getting for talking about it and letting me know the answer. Well, all right. Thanks. <laughs> thanks for listening. It. All right. Take care. Bye bye now. Thank you. Bye bye. Uh, speaking of the works, people, um, I got I got something in the mail the other day from Works. And periodically they'll send me stuff, and periodically I buy their products too. I, I down in Florida, I bought a Works uh, little leaf blower and a um, little string trimmer that uses the same batteries as some of the other Works products. In fact, I have another one of their leaf blowers here uh, that uses the same 20-volt battery. Uh, but they sent me this fan, and it's a little it's a little fan that runs on the battery, and it can plug into electricity. And it's great if I'm working in my – I don't have a garage, so if I'm tinkering around in my storage shed and it gets hot in there, I turn on the little fan and it runs on a battery. And it can run for several hours. Um but the other place I've used it is outside. With the amount of rain we've had, we've had a ton of mosquitoes lately. And the idea that you can turn it on and keep a little breeze going and it keeps the mosquitoes away, I think is is a lifesaver. 
Uh, down in Florida, I didn't have this fan down in Florida, but I got a regular little to- uh, regular little plug-in fan. And uh, uh, you think there's no CMs around here are bad? The ones in Florida are ridiculous. There's tons of them. And also, the mosquitoes in Florida are about half the size of the ones they are here, but they're like they're like ninja mosquitoes. They just show up everywhere. So you got to watch out for them. So this little fan, little breeze going, if you're sitting out on a summer night and you don't want to get bit by stuff, keep a little fan going. Uh, and if you're working on your car or, or working in your garage, keep a fan going. Besides keeping cool, it keeps the bugs away at the same time. Hey, that music means we need to go. I want to thank Mark Smith from Smith Kit Cars for joining us. If you want to check it out, it's S-M-Y-T-H Kit Cars. Check it out and take advantage to save some money if you want to buy a kit. Till next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car. And if you see an emergency vehicle by the side of the road, slow down or move over. It saves lives. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.